0: Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This episode comes from the grassroots of grazing. Jim Garish discusses goals and objectives and the importance of exploring these in designing your grazing. I'll let him take over.
1: so there's a few just starting classic comments here if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going how will you know when you get there and my favorite of all from the great yogi If you come to a fork in the road you got to take it all right so this is all about finding direction in what you're doing so we're going to start out talking about goals and objectives, and as the schools progress, you will get to know me a little better. That's why you know, we didn't do a whole long, big introduction on me, because you'll find out a lot of stuff about me. Useless trivia. I say it's useless trivia, but some at some conferences, they have trivia contests for people to win various stuff, and um, it's the obscure things that people say in their presentations that usually come into that trivia. So we're going to talk about setting goals and how to express it. So we got this guy here, and he says, I want to be a dairy farmer. Actually, obviously, he's already a dairy farmer. But at one point in time, he said, I want to be a dairy farmer. And we can argue about whether or not this is a good goal. You know, a year ago, the state of the dairy industry was so bad that why on earth would anybody want to be a dairy farmer? All right, so that's, uh, that, that's his goal. But what does it really tell us? It doesn't tell us anything about the nature of the business, when it's going to happen, anything like that. So rather than just thinking about uh, having a goal somewhere in the back of your head, we want to develop goal statements that actually mean something. When are you going to do this? How many cows? What kind of a system? How much investment? All of those are considerations that have to come into play when you uh, decide That you're going to go into this farming business david right here he said he bought a place a year ago he's had a career in the oil fields and um, i'll put you on the spot a little bit later on (laughs) not not first thing in the morning but i'll do it when i put everybody else on the spot too all right so that's a real vague statement i want to be a dairy farmer now look at this one i will have one beer tonight And again, we can argue about whether or not this is a good goal, but it is a good goal statement. Why? Because we can measure it. We know when it's going to happen. We can validate that we have achieved it. That is a good goal statement right there. And if you've gone to very many meetings of any kind over the last 30 years, you have probably been hit with the idea of SMART goals. SMART is an acronym, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. So S stands for specific. I want to be a grass-based dairy. Measurable is the M. Milking 60 cows. Attainable is a realistic goal that you can actually make happen within the context of your resources, your finances, your skill sets, your lifestyle expectations. All of those things are important considerations that determine whether it's attainable. And we're only talking about one person right now. Let's bring two people into the equation and see if these goals work together. Are they relevant? Are they related? Some people say related, some people say relevant, some people say realistic. You know, it's a beautiful acronym. You can put anything in there you want. But are they in conflict with one another? And often in family settings and multi-generational farm and ranch businesses, we find that there are goals in conflict. We have couples, husbands or wives or significant others, who have never really talked about their goals for the farm and find when they do sit down and talk about it, they are just, you know, butting heads. They don't have the same endpoint or vision in mind. And so if you're one person by yourself, it's one thing to set goals that are exclusive to you. But as soon as other people come into this arrangement and relationship and this business, then we have to start balancing those goals out. And then critically important is trackable, time-related, timetable. Yeah, got to have timing on it. You know what we call a goal without a timetable? A dream. It's just a dream. It's not going to happen until you put some specific times to it. So here is a goal statement. I want to have a grass-based dairy farm be milking 60 cows by the spring of 2020 with a dead asset ratio less than 50%. It's specific. It is measurable. It is trackable. Is it attainable becomes the next question. And maybe this less than 50% debt asset ratio is part of the attainable part of it. And now the relevant part of it. Who else is involved with this? And do they want to be milking cows also? So as I said, it it meets the criteria of being a good goal statement. And so we start thinking about, well, business goals? Should we have personal goals also? Where do we start with all of this stuff? And to me, the starting point is this one right here. It is a lifestyle goal. How do you really want to live? Where do you want to live? How do you want to raise your kids? What do you want to feed your kids? What do you want to do in your spare time? And this, and believe it or not, farming and ranching, if it is structured right, there is spare time. You can do other stuff, even dairy farming. You structure the business right, there is an opportunity for spare time. So the lifestyle choices to me are important. Sometimes people ask me, "Why did you ever leave Missouri and go to that cold, dry, god-forsaken place of Idaho?" You know what the answer is? It's a hundred percent recreational lifestyle move. Those of you who are in here before, if you're watching the pictures, you most of those pictures were either my front yard or my backyard. There's a few from other places around. But uh, that's what I went to Idaho for. It wasn't because it's a better place to raise cattle. It isn't because I had any grazing-related goal at all. And you'll see what our written goals were a little bit later on. But it was entirely a lifestyle move. If my life's ambition was to be in the cow business, I never, ever would have left Missouri because I'm still not convinced there's any better place in the United States to be in the cow business than Missouri. So then we have this financial question What is it going to cost for you to live the way that you want, to be in the place that you want, to raise your kids the way you want, to go on those occasional vacations? For some people, you know, that's their lifestyle. It is spectacular scenery and a really nice house. And you know what? Unless you've got a hell of a lot of cows, you're not going to do that on commodity cow calf. There are certain enterprises that will not support particular lifestyle choices. So we have to look at the scale, the product, how we're producing and marking those products. Those are financial decisions. Those are financial planning that has to be in place. And remember, the point of why we're doing it is so that we can live the way that we want to live. So there's a financial foundation that has to be out there also to allow us to live the way that we want. What do you want your environment to look like? Some people are very happy being in a Manhattan office on the 86th floor, as long as they have a corner office with two glass sides. You don't want to be in a cubicle. I mean, if you're in a cubicle on the 84th floor in Manhattan, you just as well be in a cubicle in a metal building in Big Timber, Mon- I, actually, I think you'd be way off being in a cubicle in Big Timber, Montana. Because when you walk out the door, then the real world begins. Anybody besides Brandy ever been to Big Timber Montana? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? Anybody know what uh, Montana's tourist slogan is? The last great place. You know what Idaho is? Idaho is what Montana wishes it could be.
0: <laughs> it, it depends Idaho. on where
1: you are. Yeah, yeah it depends right. on where you're at. Okay. So we, we think about how do we structure our business to create the working environment that we want? Are we content with exploiting our resources and degrading the land? Are we content with just maintaining it in the state that it's in? Or do we wanna go down the path of that R word, the regenerative route, and make the land better than it was when we acquired it? What a radical green, tree-hugging environmentalist statement. I want to make the land better than it was when I got it. And I cannot, even before I got into the, this business, I cannot count the numbers of farmers and ranchers over the years who I've heard say that. I want to make this place better for my kids than it was when I got it. That is a bold, regenerative agriculture statement. And it is a conscientious view that we can have an impact on the environment in which we live. And we sure want to make that a positive impact. And after we do all of those things, then we figure out what's the production system going to be. How are we going to accomplish this? The worst reason to be in the beef cow business is because that's what my granddaddy did. It may not be the best use of your resources, It may not be the best opportunity in this uh, particular economic climate. It might be. I'm not saying that there aren't places where cow-calf is not absolutely the best choice that you can make. But don't be in a business, whether that's dairy farming, cow farming, uh, growing potatoes, whatever, because that's what we've always done. Because the economic climate changes, the environmental climate changes, People's lifestyle expectations change, and so we need to adapt to those changing uh, demands and requirements. You know, if you stay and continue to do what you've been doing for the last five years, ten years, twenty years, you are working towards something we call the default future. It's just the path that you're on. and. It might be flat like that. Now, you might have a dream in your head that you wish you were somewhere different than where you are now. I wish I was making more money. I wish I wish I had more time. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. That's the future that you dream of. And if you start making some choices, making some decisions, writing down some goals, maybe you can go there. Now, I say that's your default future. But this is also your possible future. If what you are doing right now is not making any money, if what you are doing right now is degrading the landscape, if what you are doing right now is tearing your family apart, then the possible future is probably down here. It's not even up at this point. All of this is stuff that we can control. All of this is stuff we can control. Once we make this decision, then we're going to do something differently. Anybody know this one? Know what those words are going to be? The 10 most powerful two-word, two-letter words in the English language. Some people don't like this because it short-circuits some of their foundational belief systems. When I actually grasped this it's kind of a life-changing thing for me and this is what those are if it is to be it is up to me your future is in your hands you can have that default future you can work towards that dream so that's my wife and I and um, so why did I why did I leave Missouri and go to Idaho. There's a real simple explanation. You ought to be able to look at me, see that I'm male, see what my approximate age is, and you should be able to say, what was the reason that I left Missouri and went to Idaho? Anybody going to say it? Elk? Elk? Go hunting. Go hunting. Well, we'll see. I didn't retire. I never, I never have retired. It's called midlife crisis. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> midlife crisis rolls around, and you start thinking about who you once were and where you are now and stuff like that. And When I was 20 years old, I knew exactly who I was and what I wanted to do in life. I wanted to live in the Rocky Mountains and write stories. I grew up a Flatland, Illinois crop farmer. I got over it. When I was 15, two of my older brothers and I went to Colorado, camped in the Rocky Mountains. First time I'd ever seen those mountains, and from that day on, I wanted to live in the mountains. I said I wanted to write stories. I started writing epic fantasy novel when I was in my mid-teens. Occasionally I still pull it out and work at it. I, uh, that was the core of my being, was that other world that I was writing about. And then life, marriage, family, career, all got in the way. And when I was about, let me think about this for a minute
0: hope you're enjoying the presentation and we'll jump right back in, but I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show.
1: Parts of my life, but I realized what I really wanted to do was live in the Rocky Mountains and write stories. I'm going to show you what our goals were. Get out of debt. So we had a nice farm in Missouri. We had actually paid for it once. Then we built the house. When the fourth kid came along, and we, we'd been living in a, just a 1,200 square foot, you old know, farmhouse, we decided we needed some more space. So, and I always wanted to live in a log cabin, so we decided we'd build a log cabin, which of course turned into a log home and because the rooms in the old house were quite small you know you say well you know let's 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 expand that out another couple feet and let's put in a good utility room and all that and we ended up with a 3,400 square foot log home that you know cost a couple hundred thousand dollars and i am given to understand that i am not a pleasant person when i am in debt now a farm is one thing because if you're working the farm right it's paying off its debt. A house does not pay any de- debts unless it's appreciating in value and you know that you're going to sell it. So <coughs> the house made me an unpleasant person. Very nice house. Just too much debt. So we, this is the first time in my life, by the, by the way, that I ever wrote down a goal. This was 2002, 46 years old. First time in my life I'd written down a goal. I'd been given a talk like this telling people, oh, how important it is to have goals and all that, but I didn't actually do it. I just knew that everybody says you've got to have goals to be effective. So I told people the same thing, but I didn't do it. In 2002, we actually wrote down goals. Get out of debt. Stay out of debt. So that meant I wasn't going to go to the Samurai Valley and buy a $10 million ranch. I wanted to live adjacent to public land. I think public land, and you will never, ever hear me say government land or federal land. That two and a half million acres out my back door, I own that. You own that. We share it with 320 million other Americans. We all own that land. I got a mountain. I want to have a mountain out the back door so that if I get up in the morning and say, you know, I'm going to go to the top of the mountain today. I don't have to organize myself to be gone for five days, drive a thousand miles to get to the first mountain. I just wanted to be able to walk out the back door, go to the top of the mountain. And as somebody said, ready access to good hunting and fishing. There's nothing in there about cows. There's nothing in there about grazing. There's not even, well, I was going to say nothing about money. Well, the debt certainly is. And so that's, that's why we moved, is so that I could go to the mountains and write stories. Now I still had to make a living somehow, and that's why I do what I do. So I had had this dream since I was 15. I think that's 27 years from the time I was 15 to the time I was 42, that I always dreamed of living in the mountains, but I never got there. In 2002, kind of midway through the year, we wrote these goals down. April 1st of 2004, I was living in the mountains and started living the dream. And that is what I do every day that I'm at home, is I'm out there living the dream. Why? Because we wrote it down and said, this is what we're going to do. And then when you write those down, all of your attention you know, adheres to that point, and you work at it. So that was the log home in Missouri. The property we bought has a 700-square-foot homesteader's cabin on it, partially modernized. We lived there the first six months, then we didn't. But it did force us to change, you know, some of our uh, lifestyle. Where we live, it's called the Samurai Valley. This is Lemhi County over here, this is Custer County. White is privately owned land. The orange is Bureau of Land Management, and then Green's National Forest. 94% of our county is public land. I love it. I love it. Because I can hike anywhere I want on that. I can camp out anywhere I want on that. I can hunt anywhere I want to on that. There's not a lot of water, so I can't fish anywhere that I want to. But where there is water, I can fish anywhere that I want to. We can establish a mining claim. There are areas where we can go and cut logs for building stuff. It does cost, you know, we have to pay $4, you know, for a tree that we can turn into a log and stuff like that, and then harvest it and bring it out and all that. But, yeah, that's living the dream. Right there is where the house sits. That's 6,000 feet. That's 10,200 back there. So, yeah, literally, I got a mountain out the back door. We fish. We hunt. We enjoy life. We created our future because we made decisions about goals. So, when you create your future, you can build in these things here. The free time, the family time, the hobby time, the education time the mentoring someone else time. That's why I say, farming and ranching does not, and okay, so we sold our herd, and we sold our farm in Missouri, we sold our herd in Missouri. I did not expect that I'd ever be involved in day-to-day ranching operations again. And now I manage more land area, more cattle than I ever did when we had our own place. Huh living the dream so we look at a lot of families and when i decided to go into the consulting business i thought i would design grazing sales for people make recommendations on range improvement pasture improvement maybe some suggestions on you know herd structure and genetics and stuff like that you know what i find myself doing family mediations interviewing managers getting managers fired sorting out family disputes. Uh, I don't enjoy that part of the job a lot, but we look at these Happy Ranch families, and then we have to think about, you know what are they really saying? The old man's there and he says, here's what we're going to do. The 40-year-old something son, who has never made a management decision in his life, he is thinking, the old geezer's got to die someday. And then the daughter-in-law, who maybe she's from a successful ranch on the other side of the mountain range, she's thinking, why doesn't he ever ask my opinion? From the outside, we see a lot of what we think are good, solid family values and relationships. And some of them are, but a whole lot of them are not. And the ones that are, what I have found through my experience, and I've been... 17 years in the consulting business now the families who are tight and unified one of the things they have in common is guess what? Written goals That everybody agreed to and they work towards the families that are in chronic discord They just do not have a fixed plan of where they're trying to go And so everybody's doing their own thing on it. So these are important things Agreed upon by everyone in the operation, written down, and then very importantly, periodically reviewed and updated. Because you know what? Sometimes you can set a goal and you find out this really isn't realistic in the context of our resources or our family dynamic, and you might have to adjust it. Now, communicated clearly from management to labor, and I'm sure there are several of you in here who. You know, think of yourselves as being a one-person operation, management, labor. Well, I'm both of that. You know what? It is terribly, terribly important that if you are both management and labor, that you communicate between those sides of the business. So, in the consulting business, my office time rate is $75 an hour. Flood irrigation. I love going out in the spring with my tarp dams and a shovel and put water where it hasn't been before. I am still working so hard to make water run uphill. One of these days I'll accomplish it. I will make water run uphill. I enjoy doing that. What's that job worth? I can hire a Mexican and this is not said disparaging in any way. Most of the, you know, grunt farm and ranch labor where we live is Mexicans. I can hire a Mexican to do that for $10 an hour economically, it would make way more sense for me to hire someone to do that work so that I could stay in the office and crank out, you know, those consulting reports at 75 bucks an hour. But you know what? I need the time on the shovel to maintain my sanity. And we all have those things. There are the labor part of this business that we just love doing it. And we want to do it and we don't wanna give it up for someone else to do it, the management side of your mind, of the the management half of the brain, sometimes has to step in and say, no, 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 no. That does not make sense. I need to be doing this. Marketing our products. Doing some strategic planning. Sitting at the spreadsheet. Shoeing the horse. Feeding the hay. Moving the water, someone else might be the one who should be doing that work and not you. So, when we think about this management communicating to labor, don't think that is just when you have multiple people in the business. It is the division of management and labor within yourself that you sometimes have to manage. Okay, so everybody going the same direction on your place? I don't know. We have two things that we're going to talk about, strategic goals and objectives. So strategic goals, these are the big picture. This is where do we want to take this business we're in now, and where does it need to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? This is the point where I ask, how many people in this room have actual written strategic goals for your farm or ranch? Three people, I mean, you don't have to be embarrassed that you have these things. It's a good thing. Three people out of 21 admitted, yeah, maybe three and a half to four. I don't know, if you think about it. A lot of people say, you know, I don't have it written down, but it's solidly in my mind. And I'll offend a few people from time to time because I sometimes do get crass in my language. I'm going to say bullshit you might think that it's solidly in your mind but your mind is very fluid and it subtly changes things well that's not really what I meant and when it's written down it's a little more firm guide so guess what you get to do now for those of you who have never written down your goals this is where we're doing five minutes three strategic goals For your business, or your personal life, or one for your personal life, two for your business, two for your business, one for you. You know, write it down. But everybody, we need to get some goals written down now. All right, then the next layer that we have here is what I call tactical objectives. And that's the, uh, what are you going to do? You've established this goal now, how are you going to get there? So this is the roadmap of how you're going to get to the goal. And so if we come back to our uh, dairy example here, we got the goal to become a grass-based dairy, and you know I could list out the 60 cows and all that dress. So we need to buy 40 springer heifers by February 1, complete the milking parlor by March 1, subdivide the pastures for 12-hour rotation by April 1st. So here's the step-by-step. This is what we have to get done to get there, and it's very important that for each of these here, you have a budget for it and a cash flow plan. And on the, um, I think it's, uh, it might be the very last session on Friday, um, for those of you who are staying for, for that school, you know, we're gonna go into cost-benefit analysis. And when we look at uh, a project, you know, I can take almost any kind of pasture improvement or ranch improvement project. And I can show that in the long term, that would be a profitable, it would improve profitability. But there's two sides to doing these improvement and development projects. One of them, is it financially feasible, is it it economically valuable to do it? And the other one is, how are you going to pay for it? And for most of us, that's a cash flow situation. The types of ranch improvements that we're going to talk about over the next few days, um, there aren't very many bankers that lend money for those type of projects because there's no liquidity to them. And they don't necessarily add to the capital value of the land in the prevailing real estate market. And so you, you know, we might You know do a budget and say okay in seven years this is going to you know pay out a lot of us don't have seven years of flexibility so we got to figure out how do we do something that in a single year or maybe at most three years is going to be completely recover our investment now if you make an investment in some kind of ranch improvement like stock water development fencing um, those sorts of things they're going to have a much longer life than the horizon of which you're trying to recover your capital investment. So if you make a, you know, $50,000 investment in ranch improvements and and it does in fact raise productivity and increases your gross margin, if you pay that off in two years' time, the next 15, 20, 25 years, that you're managing the place and that tool is still working for you, um, you've got a better margin in all those future years. Like I said, we we can pencil it out and say, oh yeah, in seven years and 15 years it pays off, but we gotta get it paid off a whole lot faster than that just because it's our money tied up in there. So we do this here. Um, I am very much about planning and crunching numbers. I am a spreadsheet geek. I don't know how I became that way. Um, well, actually, I do know. Uh, a lot of the tools that I use in my consulting business, I actually developed um, in the early and mid-80s, and I've just been refining them, when we you know, were making a decision about to buy more property to expand our operation in Missouri I had to figure out whether or not this was going to work and so that's when i started even though you know i'm a biologist basically i'm not an economist hey i made one c in college and that was an econ 101. all right and you know why that happened because i'd already taken like three courses in ag econ and agricultural economics is so screwed up with government interference and all that you if you learn your first economics in agricultural economics, real economy doesn't make sense to you. So, uh, uh, yeah, if it won't work on paper, it probably won't work out on the ground. So make sure that it looks like it's going to be feasible on paper and go from there. All right, so tactical objectives. Five minutes again. You, You can do this, you know, different ways. You can take one of your goals and write three tactical objectives that are going to move you towards accomplishing that goal, or you can take each one of your goals and write out a first step objective. So this is something that basically, when you go home from this school, what are you going to do? What can you start with to get you moving towards your goal next week?
0: I hope you enjoyed this presentation well check out the episode notes and always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field see you next time